We're going to Psalm 96, all right? Here we go. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people. For he, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are all idols. But the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty before him. Strength and glory are in the sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in his splendor and of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes... He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. I can't hear that uh, that verse whenever it says, uh, whenever it says, declare his glory. I hear hear Bruce Fitzgerald, you know, I can hear your voice saying that for us this morning, man. I can just feel it. When you hear this psalm, you just feel the praise. It's basically the, the scripture version of what we just did this morning of what we've already experienced by worshiping together. I mean, did you see Wayne back here with his head just, you, that's what worship, you see somebody worshiping, his head's just into it. We are together singing the praises and the glory of God this morning. And we celebrate it by reading the psalm as we remember that we are in the Advent season, which is the season of remembering. It's a season of waiting. It's a season of anticipation. And in this season, during this particular year, we are in a series called While We're Waiting. While We're Waiting. Last week we talked about what what does it mean as we wait for death? You know? Which seems like a weird thing to talk about during what is often referred to as the Christmas season, but we call it the Advent season. But then we realized that in Christ, death has no sting. And we can praise God for that. And today, all the songs point us to what we're talking about. This morning we sang Joy to the World. We sang about how God brings light into the darkness and how God is full of goodness. And all that points us towards our sermon this morning about judgment. Judgment seems like a weird thing to talk about during Advent, but we're going to do it anyway. And I like to preach from the subject this morning, let earth receive her king. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. I, want to, I appreciate you, Justin, for letting me poke fun at you earlier. I, I, 
I, I, I think we have such a good family relationship here that we can, we can be real honest with each other and sometimes we, we have a little fun. And, but, but one thing that I've learned, not just from this church family, but from any church family that's honest with each other, is that sometimes we have people in our lives that we think are a little judgmental. Do you know anybody that comes to your mind when I say that? You're like, somebody that's been, been judgmental. Are you yourself a judgmental person? Are you judgy? Perhaps you've never called somebody judgmental, but when you hear the phrase, you know what I mean, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. When has judgmental ever been used as a good thing? I've never heard somebody call somebody else judgmental and it'd be like a, a, a nicety. It's more like a curse word. To tell somebody they're judgmental, to call somebody judgy, I think we all know what we mean. Or we feel the sting of somebody's words when they call us judgmental. Never has somebody tried to give another person a compliment by saying, you're so, ju- you're so judgmental. So you're so beautiful, you're so judgmental. Nobody's online dating profile begins, I'm sporty, I like to play music, and I'm judgmental, right? I don't know of anybody's bio that has that in it. It's a pretty universal fact that there's no positive way to use the term judgmental, to call somebody judgy. And I think this reality, I think this reality is what makes it, makes us have this tendency to avoid any conversation about judgment in any aspects of our lives, right? Never have I willfully or gleefully approached a conversation related to judgment. Like, who's ever excited to be judged at their annual performance review at work? I can't wait to go in and have somebody tell me what they think about me. I've never seen an episode of American Idol where a contestant was pumped for Simon Cowell to offer his judgment on their performance. And in the church world, I'll be honest, I've skipped a Sunday where I knew the conversation, the sermon was gonna be about judgment. I mean, it's, it's not something I, I look forward to hearing about. If I'm going to put on an inspirational sermon podcast, I don't go through the topics and see, oh, this is about judgment. That's the one that's going to lift my spirits today. Which is why it's strange that one of our favorite Christmas carols, Joy to the World, which we sang just earlier today. I like that rendition. I've actually never heard it. One of our favorite Christmas carols is based on the psalm we just read, Psalm 96. And it ends with a promise that God will judge the world. Judgment came up three times in this psalm of praise. And how can a psalm that is full of joy and a carol that is called joy to the world be so excited about the thing that we try to avoid? Be so excited about judgment. I think it's because We've forgotten the difference between judgment and condemnation. We have conflated the ideas of judgment and condemnation so much that we cannot remove negative connotations from what it means to experience judgment. I mean, think about it. When we judge somebody, rarely are we praising them. Are we affirming them? I mean, that is technically a potential outcome of being judged. You can be judged for the good things you do, right? Sometimes you get a bonus for your good work. Sometimes Simon Cowell actually has nice things to say. But when we say someone is judgmental, what are we really saying? 
we're saying that person is condemning, right? Whenever you act in a judgmental way, more often than not, you are condemning somebody. I mean, when, when, we, condemn, when we judge somebody, we're condemning somebody for their behavior, for their choices, for their attire, for their house, their car, their whatever. When we judge somebody, we are condemning them because they are different than us. Or they are, are choosing things that we wouldn't choose. Or their style is different than ours. We're not necessarily judging more than we're just condemning. But when the Bible talks about judgment, it's with the understanding that judgment is actually a good thing. Judgment in the Bible is something to anticipate with expectation, which is why I think it's good for us to actually consider it during Advent. I mean, I know it sounds strange to do a series during the happiest time of the year on the four last things. To do a series like the ancient church did on death and judgment and heaven and hell. It's odd to consider with kind of this heaviness what we often avoid when we're in the season that is full of glee. But I think the fact that we are considering them makes us appreciate the season even more. It makes the waiting even more worthwhile. It makes Advent something that has so much greater impact on our faith journey. As we saw last week, it is good to know that we die in Christ, which means we live in eternity. And today, the scriptures remind us that judgment is an expression of God's goodness. To be judged by God is a good thing. Because when we talk about God's goodness and God's judgment, we're talking about two different expressions of the same reality. Specifically, God's goodness and God's judgment are alternate ways of talking about God's glory. God's glory. The thing we shout when we're excited about what God is doing, the thing we hear in the Psalms about praise is about God's glory. I mean, maybe you've already made this connection. Perhaps like me, you've heard it before and you've forgotten it, or maybe this is the first time you've realized it, but I mean, think back to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. It says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. God's glory is God's ability to judge the heavens and the earth, and God's glory is the goodness that we are given that. That we get to live in these heavens and in this earth, in this earth and in the heavens one day. The prophet Isaiah tells us in chapter 66, and I, because of what they have planned and done, and I'm about to come and gather the people of all the nations and all the languages, and they will come and see my glory. God will bring all the earth together in judgment. And when we are judged, we experience God's glory, which is God's goodness. And how about the other verse of our favorite hymn, our favorite Christmas carol? He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. And the wonders of his love. God's glory is wrapped up in righteousness that he can make the nations prove 
He can judge the world. And we experience the wonders of his love. God's glory is judgment and goodness that reveal the wonders of God's love. Because you see, friends, glory is the substance of God. Often when the, in the Bible, when God's glory shows up, it shows up in a very common and typical way. It shines. And I'm probably not telling you something, anything, anything new. You, you realize these things, but make this connection with me. When God's glory shows up in the Bible, it shows up in the same way. It shines. When the Bible writers need an image to describe God's glory, they say it's like light or it's like a fire, right? Sometimes the light is overwhelming to the folks who experience it. When they experience God's glory, they fall on their knees in praise, right? They cannot look upon the light of God's glory. And sometimes that glory is like the prophet Malachi says, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can withstand his appearance? He is like the refiner's fire or the cleaner's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. They will belong to the Lord, presenting a righteous offering. When God's glory shows up, it is like this fire that refines and brings about the best parts. That burns away the worst things. God's glory, God's judgment is meant to be that which shines light into the darkness. Remember whenever we use the phrase and we talk about God as God, God, the, God was the light that came into to the world, came into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it? That's because God's glory shines in a way that no darkness can overcome. And if judgment is anything, if the idea and the act, the actual definition of judgment is anything, is it not the shining of a light onto those things that are unseen? Is that not what judgment does? It's the glory of God that shines a light onto everything. A judgment is what happens when light burns away everything that's there that cannot withstand and what's left is pure. Think about this in your own life. What does this mean for you? What are the things that God is shining light onto? Both those things that are seen and unseen and those things that when God's light shines on and others see, they remain and they can be celebrated and we can give thanks. And what are those things that when light shines on them will be burned away? Will be those things that do not last. When that judgment happens, we, we see something that we haven't seen before. When God's light shines on us, when judgment happens and we, we experience it, what we see is how good God actually is. It's God's judgment that reveals God's goodness in this way. Judgment is God's way of saying, I want the best version of you. Judgment is not God coming to say, you're the worst, you're the worst, you're the worst. Judgment is God saying, let me take away the parts that are not going to last. Let me be like this light in the darkness. Let me be like the refiner's fire. Let me take away the things that are not full of love and grace. Let me, let me burn away those things so that you can shine. 
so the best parts of you are revealed. God does not judge you to condemn you. God doesn't judge like we judge. We only know how to condemn when we judge. God's judgment is meant to take away those things so that the goodness can shine like lightning. So that God's goodness can shine on you and through you and that you become a reflection of that grace, of that love that God wants to show the world. And that's what judgment does, right? It shows that you are loved and that God wants others to experience that same love through you. But that's not often how we think of it. And we've misconstrued the reality of judgment so much that it becomes something we fear. It wasn't something we welcome. We don't want to think about judgment. We don't want to talk about judgment. So we associate it with like the end times and the apocalypse and these lakes of fire and these fear-based faiths. People who use judgment often use it in a way to try to scare, to try to provoke But it should be the thing that provides us with hope. Hope that the worst parts about us will not last. It should provide us with hope that we can be better. That with God and through God and by the grace of God, you can be made pure and holy as Christ is. I mean, that's part of what it means to be a Christian, right? To, to try to do those things, to be holy like Christ is holy, to improve ourselves by trying to be more like God. Discipleship is a journey where we are trying to discover how we can be more like Christ. Becoming a Christian is a process of learning not to be afraid of the truth. I mean, it's the truth that sets us free, right? Why should we fear judgment if it is the thing that shows us how we can be better? Why should we fear the thing that helps us become more like Christ? It's learning to confess our sins honestly and without evasion that helps us realize that even the worst parts of us never separated us from God. Even our worst decisions never made God stop loving us. Judgment shows us how we can learn to let our own light shine. My daughter's recently learned that song. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Her favorite part is, uh, won't let Satan blow it out. No! <laughs> I'm gonna, she likes to yell no. But how true that the light that God gives you wants to shine into the darkness in the same way that God's light shined into our darkness and showed us that we need God. That we need God's grace and forgiveness because we're not perfect. I don't look around this room and look at all of our failures. I look at all of God's grace. That God sustains us even when we're at our worst. And that's why it's no wonder. It's actually not a surprise that judgment has become a fear thing something that we shy away from because to the rest of the world, it's a threat. To the things that try to take hold of our lives, God's judgment is a threat. I mean, the light threatens our idols. It threatens our secrets. 
And it threatens all the things we choose for ourselves over and above God. It threatens the things that take place in our lives at a higher priority than God, than our faith. When we prioritize money above our faith journey, when we prioritize status or social societies or promotions, when those things get more of our time and our attention than Jesus does, those things should feel threatened by judgment because those are the things that God's going to burn away. And the goodness that they bring, that can be sustained. But when they take place above our faith, it will not last. Christ's light shines into the darkness, all the idols that we've created. All the, the, the things that are threatened within us about judgment, the things we fear, are the things we're holding on to that we think are greater than God, that we think are greater than truth, that we think are greater than... Maybe they're the things that we think we can't be forgiven for. Maybe they're the things we think we can't let go of because it's too hard. There's nothing for which you cannot be forgiven. And there's nothing by which God's grace does not still work as an ever-present force in your life. God's judgment is God's goodness of showing us how we can be better. And how even when we were at our worst, God was still there. Shining light, joy to the world. The Lord has come. The Lord is the judge, the only judge whose opinion and verdict matters. We see that God's light shines into the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. So let earth receive her king. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.